This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome to One Bills Live, a pre-Thanksgiving Wednesday edition. Chris Brown is on assignment. He's off with the team flying on his way back to Detroit after just being there for four days Four days ago. We're joined today in studio by Chris Trapasso, CBS Sports draft and player analyst. Chris, thanks for coming in on, a, on short notice and just helping us out here today. Appreciate it, it. It's great to be back, and it's fun to be back the day before Thanksgiving with this new kind of annual tradition of the Bills playing on Thanksgiving. It's people great. People love seeing them, man. They, yeah. People want all they can. And We were talking about this off the air yesterday, and I don't want to, you know, far be it for me to jinx this thing or anything. I, Josh likes the big, the big day. He does. You know, he likes that day. Big he, stage. He plays well in the big stage. It's been fun to watch. And it's, I think it's, he had, doesn't win every game doing that. But, man, oh, man, does he bring it on in the big spotlight. Yeah, I mean, we've had Lions and Cowboys on Thanksgiving for mm-hmm. like 70 years. I think we need to start a petition to keep the Bills on Thanksgiving <laughs> right? every year. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, why not? It's a lot going on here today. Uh, Chris Trapasso, Steve Tasker here with you. Matt Milano was named uh, Defensive Player of the Week. I know a lot of people found that out, and it's kind of a foregone conclusion the way he played. People were clamoring about the even his teammates in postgame yeah. uh, observations were clamoring for him to get that honor. Yeah, when I actually came on this show in the middle of the summer, you asked me who was the most underrated player on the Bills, the entire offense, defense, and I picked Matt Milano because so much talk is about Tremaine Edmonds. Are they going to sign him to a big contract extension? He was the first-round pick, and over the last couple years, it's really been Matt Milano that I think in the middle of that defense has been the heartbeat of that defense, and he did everything against the Browns with tackles for loss, with big plays in the backfield, almost had an interception, a fumble Fumble recovery. recovery. He's just all over the football field. He's smart, he's dynamic, and he really understands this, Sean. McDermott defense. All right. Well, congratulations to Matt Milano. We all knew you deserved it. Uh, We're also going to invite our fans. This is tailgate Friday day on a Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So let us know what your plans are. I mean, it's Thanksgiving tomorrow. So I kind of figure we kind of halfway know everybody's plan. The bills play at 1230. Goodness. Great. And man, how, how cool is that? That's, Awesome, but we want to hear from you, the fans. Give us a call at 803-0550 or 888-552-550. You can get on the air with us and tell us what your tailgate is, or you can tweet at us at One Bills Live and tell us what your Friday tailgate plan is. I know it's going to be di- – this is a different year for Bills fans all over, not only Western New York, but everywhere because of the Bills playing that kickoff game on, on Thanksgiving weekend. So you can give us a call at those numbers and, and get a part, be a part of the conversation as well. Yeah, it's probably going to be a lot more eating than normal because I feel like for a Bills game, you're having some beverages, you're having your favorite dip, but then you got to be have some room left in the stomach for the turkey, for the mashed potatoes, for the cranberry. Uh, so I wouldn't eat too much th- later in the day today. I have think, that stomach ready for tomorrow. Yeah, I think our plan is to eat before the game, oh. right before the game is, is what we're doing. We're having a smaller get-together tomorrow. We're doing something else over the weekend with, with a big family gathering that happens later in the weekend, but tomorrow is going to be you know, a sparse gathering in my gotcha. house but um, with more to come. But, yeah, I – yeah, everybody's got a different plan. Everybody's got different priorities. Also, before we go any further, let's have a practice update. Uh, it's brought to you by LECOM, uh, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. I lost it for a minute there. Um, they present the practice updates today. Now, here's what's happened. Tredavious White has not been completely ruled out of game action tomorrow. It doesn't mean he's going to play, but he was not completely ruled out of tomorrow. Now, 
A couple of guys that are ruled out for tomorrow, Tremaine Edmonds and Greg Rousseau. Edmonds and Rousseau are not going to play tomorrow's game at Detroit. A.J. Epinesa, who's out with an ankle, is doubtful. So A.J. Epinesa probably not going to play. Mitch Morris, not doubtful. He's questionable. That means he could travel, give it a shot pregame, and maybe he could go and maybe not. Uh, We'll see. And then he didn't practice all week, but I feel like someone in Mitch Morris, who's an established veteran that's been here for multiple seasons, he could kind of be in that normal vet rest type of situation where he doesn't need to get in a bunch of practices to ultimately play. He battled through that ankle injury last week, which was huge because he he got injured early in that game against the Browns, toughed it out, and was able to still play the rest of the game. Particularly given the compressed week. Mm -hmm. Um, He didn't miss that much in practice. Um, But that doesn't mean he's automatically going to be thrown in there um, to play either. He's got an elbow and an ankle. Epineza is an ankle. Uh, Mitch Morse, questionable. Epineza is doubtful. And, of course, Tremaine Edmonds, Greg Rousseau are out for tomorrow's game. That's the extent of the practice update. And Tredavious White hasn't been ruled out. He was ruled out Friday last week, Uh and he has not been ruled out the day before the game this week um, as he gets closer. Um, You know, you'd figure the team's going to be better if he can go. Um, How much – it's gonna, how long it's going to take him to get up to speed, that remains to be seen. But the guy does play corner in the NFL, so he's a little different than the rest of us. Um, yeah, I think as you'd expect. what's interesting about this is that with Tredavious White having been out up until this part of the season, the Bills have gotten Christian Benford and Dane Jackson and Kyer Elam. They've gotten a lot of other rotational pieces that have gotten time at that cornerback spot. So even if Tredavious White does play tomorrow, I don't think he has to play 100% of the snaps. If maybe he's now finally mentally ready to get back on the field, but maybe not at that you know 60 to 70 plays tomorrow. They have some other right. pieces that they feel comfortable with at that cornerback. Yeah, we've spot. been talking. Brownie and I've been talking about a pitch count for him when he does come back. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about the guys replacing him in, in uh, Kyrie Elam and Christian Benford um, here in a minute. As we get down, we're going to talk about some of the rookies and the years they've been having. But for right now, let's go to um, the Sound Bits. Uh, this edition of Sound Bits presented by Tim Hortons. This is here why Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Von Miller, the rest of these guys are ready to step into the spotlight once again on Thanksgiving Day. Here's Sound Bits presented by Tim Hortons. But knowing that everybody's you know sitting at, at, at home, Probably bellies full or about to get their bellies full uh, watching watching football. I remember that as a kid uh, the most, whether it was at our house or one of our friends' house, just um, you know eating as much as possible and, and watching the games. And um, again, I'm was a huge fan of football. I'm still a huge fan of football, so I, I still remember watching those games as a kid. I think the Dal- the Dallas one, obviously, that was. The first one, that was, that was pretty special. Had a lot of people there um, from my hometown. I had so much family in the stands. It was, uh, it felt like it, it was kind of a homecoming deal, um, being able to see them after the game and enjoy that experience with them. Yeah, it's a great honor, you know what I mean? Uh, just to be, just to have another primetime game, just to be able to showcase, you know what I mean, uh, what we got going. Uh, hopefully we can keep it rolling. Um, happy for all the Bills fans that will be at the game, A, and the ones that won't be at the game, that they'll be able to watch us on television and celebrate um, a holiday together and watch the watch their team perform. And, um, you know, we'll be away from – most of us will be away from our families, but um, hopefully get a chance when we get home to spend a little bit of time with the family. So um, just part of the job, really. And uh, we look forward to trying to 
um, give everybody something to uh, to enjoy around around the holiday. I guess we what the people want to see. Uh, they what the people want to see. I don't know. It's just a, a blessing and an honor to be in a, a game on uh, Thanksgiving. I remember watching football as a little kid on Thanksgiving and stuff like that. So it's just an honor. First uh, Thanksgiving game, and um, I'm excited. I mean, never did it before. Uh, you know, you grow up and you have Thanksgiving and go play football after, and to go out there and actually play football on Thanksgiving is going to be kind of kind of fun. I mean, I'm happy to be here. I'm playing pro football for the Buffalo Bills, getting ready to play a Thanksgiving th game on Thursday. I've never played in a Thanksgiving game on Thursday. This is, you know, it's always a dream of mine as a kid. You watch the Thanksgiving games, you watch the Cowboys and, you know, the Commanders, and you watch the Detroit Lions and the Bears, and, you know, you, you, you have Thanksgiving dinner, and you go outside, and you play, like, you know, flag football in the backyard. These are the, the moments that you dreamed of. It's definitely a big honor. Any time you can play on a, on a holiday, on a stage like that, it's something that, you know, us players, we dreamed of as kids. And knowing that, you know, you might be away from family, but everybody get to watch you, it's definitely exciting. Um, I'm just thankful, you know, for the opportunity. I mean, I dreamed as a kid of playing on Thanksgiving, and this is my third game on Thanksgiving, so I'm just excited. We got a win. I got a little. I got a turkey leg. I've never done that. Um, that was fun. Uh, I've actually played on a couple of Thanksgiving games. It's been pretty fun. I'm just blessed to know that uh, I get to watch my little brother play afterwards too. So, be some fun. I like Thanksgiving. It's around my birthday. That was Tim bits presented. T sound bits presented by Tim Hortons. Uh, that was Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. There's a ton of guys on that on that roster. Uh, Steve Tasker, along with Chris Trapasco here on One Bills Live, we're talking about the Bills and their Thanksgiving game. First game of the Thanksgiving weekend, Bills in Detroit. Bills played there against Cleveland four days ago and going back to place the Lions. And it, in this game, um, during this season, the Bills have had to do something that they haven't had to do over the last two or three years, and that's deal with a ton of injuries. Yeah. Uh, and because of that, not that it wouldn't have happened otherwise to a certain extent, but certainly not to the extent we've seen. They've had to play a ton of rookies. Kair Elam, Christian Benford, James Cook, Shakir, um, uh, Khalil Shakir, Bernard. Um, let's, let's talk about this draft class. And we're week 12. Yeah. I mean, we were talking before. the you know, this, We always say it, and it seems, and maybe it doesn't seem like that for some of our listeners, but, man, oh, man, once you start the kick off the season, the Bills started – on Thursday night in L.A. It seems like a lifetime ago. It does. And now we're week 12, and we've learned a bunch about this draft class that we didn't know then. We'd only hoped. Um, you know, you start with some of these guys. Start with Christian with Kair Elam, first-round first pick corner, who's had to play some. Mm -hmm. And and now he's coming probably be back in the field perhaps this week with, with coming off the ankle injury. First off, I got to say that at this point in the season, like you're mentioning week 12, I mean, this is getting to be as long, if not longer, than a lot of these players' college seasons last year. So you can almost say they're kind of entering into that second season, not in the NFL, but having played 11, 12 games, they're getting up there in terms of their experience. Kyer Elam, I give him an A- minus to start the season over these first couple months, not because he's been sensational, but because watching him at Florida – he was almost primarily used as a man coverage cornerback. And I think part of the reason why the Bills drafted him, they wanted to have some more variability to what they could do in coverage. They've long been this zone-heavy team. That's all they ran in coverage. With Kyer Elam, they get a little bit of man. But still, they are one of the zone-heaviest defenses in football. 
And Kyrie Elam, I think, has acclimated very quickly to a completely different style and, and a way of playing the cornerback position. His one interception off Kenny Pickett, that was zone coverage. Um, the interception on Patrick Mahomes, a huge one in that Chiefs win, zone coverage. So he has two interceptions, three pass breakups, uh, been a pretty sure tackler. I think acclimating as quickly as he has from a man-heavy system at Florida to a zone-heavy system. That's why I give him an A-minus to start the season. Yeah, I would too, and particularly given the fact that, you know, like we said, they have uh, they've been pressed into service, um, and they've played well. This is still a top-five defense in the National Football League. Uh, they're getting some turnovers uh, and – Key turnovers as well. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the the Kyrie Elam pick in Kansas City. I mean, how enormous can you get in that building, right? So, yeah. um, I would agree with you there. I mean, he's been very good. Ha- you know, he hasn't been a sh- shut down corner, hasn't knocked it out of the park. But man, oh man, what they've asked him to do, he has done very well. And uh, uh, and I would say the same as you. I mean, I'd, you'd give him an AA minus for the way he's played. And you know, having said that, you know, go to Christian Benford. I don't know how you can give that guy anything but an A. He's a sixth-round draft pick who has outperformed Kair Elam in getting on the field. He was the starting corner for an NFL team on week one and is a top, still a top-five defense. Um, they didn't expect him to be there, but every opportunity they gave him, he has been rock solid. And I would say this, probably more so than Elam, I, I think Benford has been solid, not spectacular, Elam has probably been a little bit more of a roller coaster Mm -hmm. and, at times, spectacular. Yeah, and not only being a sixth-round pick, which playing as well as he has as as a sixth-rounder, that's already kind of beating the odds. He went to Villanova, an FCS school. He was super (laughs) productive there, but not a lot of sixth-round picks from Villanova or that football conference. Not only – become good NFL players, but play as well as he has in their rookie seasons. And what I like to sometimes in training camp and in, in the preseason, a surprising rookie, a late round pick, maybe even someone from a Villanova type school will play well before the games count. Christian Benford has maintained that level of play this season. He's played on just under 50% of the snaps. He got the interception against the Vikings that we're seeing right there. Uh, five pass breakups, and he's played a lot of man coverage early in the season. Like you mentioned, Steve, he was out there covering number one NFL wide receivers after, again, playing at Villanova, a very illustrious career, uh, career for the Wildcats, but it's a totally different animal going from that level to the NFL. He definitely gets an A. He's right. my highest graded right. rookie thus far for the now He's got seven games played, 20 tackles, an interception, five passes defensed, and let's face it, when those guys are out there, they're going to get picked on. Yeah, and uh, and he and he has so uh, the one interception we're seeing here against the Vikings was the overthrow by Kirk Cousins early on in the snow where it, it kind of threw it right into his stomach. Uh, they all count. Uh, this, you know, it wasn't like a fifty-fifty ball against mm-hmm. some guy, but it, it, you know, he was in the right spot. And he was covering his man, and and he made a nice return of it as well. So yeah, I would agree with you. The two corners, uh, the sixth rounder and the first rounder. In they've been solid. And Shakir, they've been very solid. And, and let's face it, it's a good thing because they've had to play a ton, probably as much as any rookies on the roster. Yeah, and I think with Tredavious White coming back, that's obviously a huge boost. But the one silver lining with all the injuries is that a lot of these young players have gotten time to play where 
yeah, if the Bills are fully healthy in the playoffs, they're probably going to obviously be playing their stars. But if someone goes down with an ankle and they're they're not 100% or they can't play in the first playoff game or, or any type of those situations, the Bills and that player themselves are going to have a lot more confidence being on the field. Yeah, and so as you go down this list of rookies, the guys, and, and we all know their names, James Cook's the next one, second-round running back out of Georgia, uh, 63rd overall, uh, 10 games played, 44 carries, 255 yards, plus one TD. Uh, I think people are kind of frustrated or, I don't know, frustrated or disappointed in not only his lack of opportunities, but, you know, he just hasn't, they haven't seen enough of him to really know what he's about. And it's been hard for him to get on the field, seemingly. Yeah, and, and it shows that why Christian Benford's been that impressive to just quickly acclimate to the NFL. A lot of times rookies, even if you're coming from a Georgia and you have NFL bloodlines with your brother in the NFL, like James Cook does, it can take time to – catch up to the speed of the game. And those NFL defenders are a lot faster than even those SEC defenders. I have a fun one, though, with James Cook. The last four weeks, we've seen him start to become more of a focal point or a feature in this running offense. In those games, he has four carries of over 15 yards. And that is only... Or that is third in the NFL, only behind Tony Pollard and Derrick Henry in those explosive runs in that stretch. So... The Bills drafted him 4-4-2 speed to hit those big plays. And now that he's gotten some of the fumble issues out of there, he's playing more confidently. The coaching staff has more faith in him. We're starting to see those explosive plays from James Cook at a rate that's up there with some of the best backs in the league. Yeah, the only the only thing that's a downer about that stat is the fact the Bills are 2-2 two and two in those four games. True. Um, that's a crusher. And you're not going to – obviously, you're not going to put that on James Cook. Yeah. But – if you're looking for generalizations, you're like, eh, you know. But I think I, a lot of people were surprised that he didn't just get plugged in right away True. because of his athletic ability. He's faster than uh, Devin Singletary, and he runs routes better than Devin Singletary and catches the ball better. But he, you just don't see him in the offense as much uh, because of, I guess, the cachet that Devin Singletary has made for himself with his coaching staff. Yeah, I kind of look at it similarly to the dynamic early in the career for C.J. Spiller and Fred Jackson, that Spiller came out of Clemson, was a first-round pick, super athletic, super fast, and early in his career when Fred Jackson was kind of the number one back there or here in Buffalo, Jackson like understood blocking schemes better, his vision was better, and it took Spiller some time to understand that he's not just going to be able to win strictly with speed, cutting ability, explosion. It's going to take time to be able to make the right read, to step behind the guard and not the center, and I think that's what happened early on with James Cook. But again, we've seen over the last month that he seems to be getting a little bit more comfortable, and the game has started to slow down for James Cook. All right, now let's go down a wide receiver, Khalil Shakir, fifth-round draft pick. Uh, in 2022, six games played, seven receptions, 118 yards. He also has a touchdown. What do you think about the way he's contributed in his trajectory? You probably want to see a little more production out of him, especially because I thought coming out of Boise State, he was one of the more pro-ready, high-floor type of prospects. But he's made some big plays. In that game in Baltimore, in the rain on that final drive, he had two big receptions that were integral to the Bills ultimately winning that game. Uh, against the Steelers, he had a couple catches. One was a great catch down the seam. 
I think Khalil Shakir should be a bigger part of this offense. And I think as the Bills have kind of worked through a little bit of a slump offensively, they're looking for that second or third option. I think we'll see more of that as, again, Khalil Shakir kind of gets into this second season of his rookie year. How, and this is interesting because I have my, my own ideas about, you know, why is he – what's keeping him from getting on the field? What do you think? Is it, is it Isaiah McKenzie? I think they just trust Isaiah McKenzie more – um, and Isaiah McKenzie does give you more versatility where if he's in the slot, you can motion him, give him those jet sweeps. He's more explosive. He's faster than Khalil Shakir. Khalil Shakir is kind of just a classic slot receiver that he's not going to do a lot of gadgety stuff that Isaiah McKenzie can do. He's not going to threaten a defense with that orbit motion or jet motion. I think there have been times where he's on the field and Josh Allen or Ken Dorsey haven't really just schemed him to be the first or the second read in the progression. I think earlier in the season when Josh Allen was a little bit more comfortable, didn't face some high-caliber pass rushes, he was able to get to the second, the third, and the fourth read. That's why we saw Khalil Shakir um, have more production early. But that yeah. could come down the I stretch. Think, I think it might be that you know, he's more the Cole Beasley athlete than he yes. is the Isaiah McKenzie athlete yep. or the, you know, obviously the Tariq Hill kind of athlete player. He's more of a of a get-open smart player uh, than he is a beat-you-with-athleticism player. And I, and that's – it's hard to get on the field like that if mm-hmm. if you haven't carved out a niche for that already. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I, I think it's going to take – some in some circumstances for him to get on the field in a, for an extended period of time to get some chemistry with Josh. Now, because let's face it, a player like Khalil Shakir, the quarterback has to know he's going to be in that spot because that's where we. Yeah. Pra- I know him. He's going to be there. I got to throw this thing um, for a first down. You got to get the first down for me. That's basically what a guy like Shakir is for. And I think everyone in Western New York understands that what the Bills want to be doing is hitting their stride in December, in January, be as healthy as possible then. Even if Khalil Shakir with only seven catches going into Thanksgiving, if he starts to hit his stride down the stretch in these big divisional games, the last couple games of the season, they got the Bengals on Monday night, the Patriots at home to end the season, if he starts to settle into that role where he's mentally on the same page with Josh Allen, that will be huge for this Bills offense. And the other bonus to that is there'll be not a lot of film on Khalil Shakir heading into the playoffs. That's right, and you don't know exactly what you're going to get. Although they'll be, they'll dissect every play he's had in order to find out. Yeah. Um, last one on our list here. We're going to go with Ter- Terrell Bernard, uh, linebacker, undersized linebacker, a little bit in the Matt Milano type frame. Um, has not seen a lot of actions on special teams. Has been up for most of the games. Uh, he's been well five games played. He had one start. Uh, he's got 21 tackles. He was a third round pick out of Baylor. Tell us, what do you think about Bernard and his season so far? Yeah, he's kind of been that classic uh, undersized linebacker early in his career that he's dealt with those bigger blockers, not as well as you probably want from a starting linebacker. But what I like from the film that I've watched, I only noticed one missed tackle on film. Now, there's sometimes where he's just not gotten to the football. He's gotten blown out of the play. But when he's around the football, he's been a very sure tackler. He's only had to play, like you said, that one start and then in some spot duty. But to have someone that is similar athletically to Matt Milano that can learn from Matt Milano, I think we've seen that early on from Terrell Bernard in limited action. That's right, and and um, I would agree with you. I, th- I think they picked him because of his abilities. He's an instinctive player. He's yep. got he's small, rangy, fast, and and theoretically they want to be really good in coverage. Yes. Um, 
well, like everything, all these guys, they want to be more like Matt Milano. Yeah. Right? Um, Defensive Player of the Week, if you didn't hear that. So uh, I I agree with you. Um, Now, as we um, move on from that, and I I agree with you, the rookies have been, I think, for for the most part, we're talking about five of these rookies from the first all the way to the sixth round. All of them have contributed to a team that's – the expectations were extremely high. That's what I was going to say. This is a Super Bowl favorite by Vegas coming into the season. Yeah. You weren't expecting. And they sh- haven't. The Bills have not played too far below that. No, they haven't. Um, if at all, lost three games by a total of eight points, and they're blowing everybody else out of the water by 10-plus, with the exception of the Browns last week. I mean, most of their games are one big. Mm-hmm. Um, they're hard to beat. They're still they got to be considered the favorites to win the division, even though they're not. Well, they are if they're sitting there now, right there. So I think this draft class really has a chance to be really, really special. Um, not because of the fact that maybe there's a star player in there, or Kyrie Elam, or Christian Benford, or one of those guys breaks out as a as a shutdown mm-hmm. corner when nobody thought they would be, or whether James Cook comes in and becomes. Uh, an Alvin Kamara type of player mm-hmm. around the National Football League. Everybody's, like, afraid yeah. of him. Even so, the depth of that, they get five contributors on the, out of this draft class. Exactly. And they really are good players. I, I think – because this is a draft class. I mean, uh, Isaiah Hodgins is no longer here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are players down the roster, you know, in, the, in years past that aren't here anymore. Yeah. These guys are, and they're here for a reason, and they're getting on the field and having some production. I think it's a really good draft class thus far, although – you know, two-thirds of the way through this their their rookie season. Yeah, I mean, most teams that have Super Bowl aspirations that are legitimate don't have to play as many rookies, but the Bills have had to because of the injuries. And like we said, most of them have given the Bills net positive contributions entering uh, this Thanksgiving game. As we Before we go, uh, later on in the show, Eric Woodyard, ESPN NFL, Nations, uh, NFL Nation Lions reporter, is going to come on with us, talk about the Detroit Lions and the game with the Buffalo Bills tomorrow. Uh, around the National Football League, Lions defensive end Aiden Hutchinson was named NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Hutchinson against the Giants had an interception, a fumble recovery, and three tackles. And if you haven't heard, the New York football Jets have benched Zach Wilson for Sunday's game against the Bears they're going to start Mike White. Uh, Bills fans might remember Mike White as the guy who started against the Bills last year uh, in a game that turned into a laugher at the end. Mike White did not hold up against the top-rated defense of the Buffalo Bills a year ago, but he's going to get the snaps this coming weekend against the Bears. Uh, Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey was named AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, Kelsey against the Los Angeles Chargers had six receptions, 115 yards, and three touchdowns. I know most fans have seen those. The guy had a monster game, was just unbelievable. Uh, and at a game when they trailed with their final drive on the line less than two minutes ago, it seemed inevitable that the Chiefs were going to just go ahead and win that game and walk off. Yep. Um, we've seen it too many times. Panthers, uh, the Carolina Panthers have named our old friend here in Buffalo, Sam Darnold, starting quarterback versus the Broncos on Sunday uh, over, over – um, I'm blanking on his name, Baker, Baker Mayfield. Mayfield yeah, Baker, Baker, I can't remember PJ Baker. Walker too, yes, yeah. P.J. Walker. Uh, Sam Darnold back on the field in Carolina. The Rams waved the rushing leader, uh, Daryl Henderson Jr. Uh, the Cowboys and the Giants meet on Thanksgiving. Both teams are pitching Odell Beckham to be a part of their roster. Did you see this? I mean, that 
And I get it. The guy's a really good player. And I think Buffalo, I mean, in my opinion, Odell Beckham makes any team he goes to better. Yes. No question about sure. it. Um, and for the, for the teams that are out there having him choose between, it's going to come down to one of – it's going to come down to two things and basically one thing. The two things are a chance to win a championship yep. again. And the other thing, which is really what it's about, is money. Yeah. How much are they going to commit to him and how long is it going to be? Uh, and what the long-term prospects are for him there. Buffalo's got to be in that conversation. Dallas has got to think they're in that conversation. The Giants. I don't see it with uh, the Giants as much. I have a hard time getting there as well because you've got to think too, and you know this as well, that you, you wrote an article about this in CBS Sports about what the Giants and Jets are going to do at their quarterback spot. Odell Beckham doesn't want to walk into that question Exactly, mark. exactly. And I don't know. I know that the Giants, Brian Dable, Joe Shane there down in New Jersey have done a great job getting that team out to 7-3. and three. They started 6-1. Sure. and one. But I think a lot of those games are they're winning on last-second field goals. They're winning getting onside kicks, things like that. I, I don't think that they are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And like you're mentioning, you go into that situation if you're Odell Beckham Jr. and you're not even sure who the quarterback is right. going to be or if it's not a rookie, it's right. Daniel Jones. To me, it seems right. like Bills or Cowboys. I know the Bills haven't really been in the Odell Beckham sweepstakes of late, but we've heard so much from Von Miller and Brandon Bean this season that they're interested. They've been in talks. Um, so we'll see what happens. I just don't really see the Giants being a serious contender for OBJ. Yeah. Well, we'll have to wait and see. We're going to take a break here. This is One Bills Live. Steve Tasker along with Chris Terpasso of CBS Sports. Coming up after the break, Eric Woodyard, the ESPN NFL Nation Lions reporter. He's going to give us a little rundown on what the Lions offer in tomorrow's 1230 kickoff against the Buffalo Bills. This is One Bills Live, and this is Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Steve Tasker, Chris Trapasso here with you. Uh, we are pleased to be joined now by our guest from ESPN NFL Nation. He's the Lions reporter there in Detroit, Eric Woodyard. Eric, Steve Tasker, Chris Trapasso, thanks for coming on with us. We appreciate it. How are you doing today? Steve, Chris, what's up, man? Thanks for having me. Not too much. We're excited about this game. 1230 kickoff. Um, once again, the Lions, as tradition speaks, are on Thanksgiving. And now, you know, three out of the last four years, the Bills have been on Thanksgiving as well, but the Lions come in with a three-game winning streak. What I know it's hard, and every game's different. Is there a generalization as to why they've won their last three? What's different? I think it's a few things. You know, before they went on this win streak, you know, they let go of uh, defensive back court, uh, coach Aubrey Pleasant. They shook things up, trading T.J. Hawkinson. They knew they needed a shakeup after the bye week, so I think guys just really locked in. They had a team meeting with players only with the defense. Because before then, the defense was ranked last in the league. And I think that's where it's starting at defensively. That We know what they can do offensively. They were scoring with the best teams of the league, you know, for, for through the first four or five weeks. But defensively is where they cleaned this up. So I think that's what's really changed uh, was that probably that that team meeting, that players-only meeting that they had where guys let it out and, you know, shaking things up, you know, and feeling that, you know, that extra push to change things around and not give up on this season. I think that's where it changed around. Speaking of a shakeup, let's go to the Lions' backfield. That DeAndre Swift, the super talented kid from Georgia, second-round pick. I know he's been injured. He had a couple big games early in the season before getting injured. 
But Jamal Williams leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns, and I know that Justin Jackson has played well too. I've seen just from following some Lions people on Twitter this week that is there more of a push for it to be really a Jamal Williams and Justin Jackson backfield? Like how will that shake out tomorrow in terms of who's available and really of late who the coaching staff really prioritizes in that running backfield? Well, if you go back to last year and you look at DeAndre Swift, he's been he's he's been hurt. He hasn't been 100%. So, I mean, when he's on the field, this guy's, you know, he he's box office. He can go off for a play at any time. But, I mean, he just hasn't been available. Even now, you know, with him playing right now, I talked to him last week, and he says, I'm still not 100%. I'm pushing through, you know, whatever the role, whatever the, role the team needs for me to push through, that's what I'm doing. But, you know, he's just not 100%. You know, that, that shoulder, that ankle continues to bother him and, Meanwhile, Jamal Williams on the other side has been consistent. He's been steady. He's been reliable. So I don't think necessarily they're trying to push for the other two guys. I think it's just that Swift hasn't been himself completely 100% to do the things that he's capable of doing with that many touches. So I think until he gets all the way there, I mean, it might be too late at this point. It seems like Jamal Williams has established himself as the, uh, you know, the, the number one running back, leads the league in uh, rushing touchdowns and yeah he's, he's been playing really really good this season chris and i've been talking about the bills rookies the lions have a lot of younger players that are really starting to contribute aiden hutchinson was named defensive player of the week uh, for the game he had against the giants and now uh how much if any is jameson williams gonna help as he gets back into the fold is he gonna be able to step on the field or is this way too early for him to to think about or is he do you anticipate him playing what's the latest on him and and what are they saying about his progress yeah, so he returned to practice this week, um, got some extra throws in with the, the backup quarterback, Tim Boyle. And Boyle told me yesterday, he said, man, his speed is amazing. He hasn't lost anything. So the goal is to get him back. You know, Dan Campbell said all along, they're, they're looking at playing him this season. They were saying after Thanksgiving, they got a 21-day window to decide what they're going to do. Jamison wants to play. Kid is ready to go. So I think he can help this team with his speed. They need that deep ball threat. You know, I think he's fast enough to be able to get him that option. We know it. I'm in Ross St. Brown can catch those short passes. And, you know, they got guys, Khalif Raymond, and guys who really can do things in the short range, but really not a deep ball guy. And I think his speed opens up the field for just everybody. So I think when he comes back, I'm not sure how many, you know, you know, uh, receptions or something he'll get for the end of the season, but he's definitely going to help. And everybody's super excited to have this guy even just return to practice. Eric, I have a follow-up on the rookie class. Not really a question, but tell the listeners about two other rookies, Malcolm Rodriguez, the linebacker, who I remember scouting at Oklahoma State and loved him, and Kirby Joseph, another draft crusher of mine, because I'm, I'm a draft guy at heart, um, out of Illinois. Talk to, or talk to us and tell the listeners about how well they have played for this Lions defense, especially over the last couple games. Yeah, so we talk about Aiden Hutchinson getting the player of the week, but, you know, just a couple weeks ago, Kirby Joseph got it. You know, a couple yep. picks off Aaron Rodgers and Malcolm Rodriguez. I'm sure you guys were introduced to him through hard knocks. Uh, these guys are all starters on the defense. So, I mean, yes, the defense is struggling in Detroit, but these are young contributors that's coming in, that's learning. You know, when you're starting three, four defenders on defense, I mean, that lets you know that these guys were coming in ready to play. So it's now just being patient. And you're seeing these guys continue to get better and return. You're seeing the Lions getting better. So I think, yeah, these guys came in from day one ready to play. They ready to go. You know, they got that mentality, that dog. And I think you got to give a, a a shout out to Brad Holmes for identifying this type of talent, you know, especially, at, you know, th th those levels in the draft, getting fourth round picks and third round picks and guys that can contribute on this level. You know, I think you got to give Brad Holmes his, his flowers because he's doing a good job. 
How has Jared Goff played through this stretch? He's been much better. I mean, the running game has kind of carried kind of carried the team, but he hasn't been bad. He hasn't been horrible, but he hasn't been great. He's been somewhere in the middle. He's managing the load pretty well. And um, I think the thing for him is, you know, not turning it over. When he when he's not turning it over, we know he can manage the game. It's just eliminating those turnovers and key moments, keeping his confidence, because it always seems like it's a snowball effect with him. So I think if he's protected, he has time to throw. You know, guys are catching his his passes. He's, he's able to get in the rhythm. Everything is going right. He can definitely manage the team. On Jared Goff, the Lions have only allowed 15 sacks this season. That's the third fewest in the NFL. That's a really good number. Would you say, Eric, that it's more been because of Jared Goff getting the football out quickly and understanding where he needs to go with the football? Or would you put more of that on the offensive line, Penny Sewell, Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson, and company that have really played well in pass protection? I think he'll say, you know, it's it's the latter half. I think it's definitely that offensive line entering this season. You know, that was really one of the talk of the team. That was the, one of the strongest units of the team, and they're still not even 100% healthy. But yeah, Panay Sewell, Taylor Decker, those guys, you know, they're 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 doing a hell of a job blocking him and protecting him. And as I just said before, if you give him that protection, give him a little bit of time, he's going to manage the game well. Nobody has to worry about that. So I think that offensive line is really doing a really really good job of protecting him. How much is Jeff Okuda's loss due to a concussion going to hurt them? I think it will, but I think the guys are, you know, ready to step up just like how they did last week, you know, able to pull it out because he went out in the first quarter. Um, Kirby Joseph, you know, safety, secondary back there. You got Will Harris. You know, those guys, they're ready to step up. I think it's just that next man up mentality. Jerry Jacobs, these guys are taking on those challenges. But, yeah, I mean, he's going to be missed. He has been playing very, very well this season. And uh, the defense <laughs> – Hasn't been the greatest this year for the Lions, so they need everybody to step up all the way. And, I mean, it's not ideal, but I think the guys are ready to step up. All right, we talked about injuries earlier to DeAndre Swift. Amon Ross St. Brown started the season on fire, gets injured, but he's played a lot better of late. Is he back to 100%? And is he, without Jamison Williams and Josh Reynolds banged up, is he, even though he's playing in the slot, really the the de facto number one in this offense? So how – Healthy is St. Brown, and is he that number one in the pass game for Jared Goff? I don't think anybody at this point, you guys know, True. nobody's 100% at this point. But, you know, his ankle was bothering him. His ankle has gotten a lot better. You know, this is a guy that takes care of his body. He's, he's the son of a you know, Mr. World. You know, during the, during the bye week, he went back to California, actually went to a physical therapist who he was comfortable with in his own standards and took that initiative to take care of his body. You know, so I think he's going to be the best that he possibly can be probably the rest of the season, but nobody's 100% at this point. But, yeah, he is the, the top guy on that offense. And, you know, Jared Goff always describes him as a friendly target. He's the guy you go to whenever they need, you know, some some guaranteed yardage. He's going to catch it. He doesn't drop the ball often. But, like I say, yeah, he's taking care He's taking care of his body. Um, This is a guy, like I say, son of a, a Mr. World. And, you know, if, if you talk to his dad, John Brown, at all, you'll know why why this guy is wired the way he is. So, yeah, I think – um. For sure, he'll be he'll be good for the rest of the season. So the Lions take on this Bills team at home. Uh, the Bills come in with huge expectations. They've lost three games on the season by a total of eight points. Um, they got this quarterback in Josh Allen. But when they have struggled, it has been because they turned the football over. And in the last since week nine, the Lions lead the league 
with a plus six turnover differential. What has enabled them, you know, to kind of turn the corner and turn that to their advantage? Because if you get extra possessions against anybody, you got a shot at beating them. Yeah, I think this game is just. I think Dan Campbell has really made adjustments, and he got he's got these guys playing smarter. They, if you look, and if you look early in the season, a lot of those games were really close losses. One one decision here, two decision there. So I think it's really honing in on those details, really honing on those fundamentals, and not shooting themselves in the foot. So I think they're just making way better decisions at this point. And I think you got to credit that to coaching as well. One more question for you, Eric. Uh, we were talking about the offensive line, and I agree it, it's a very strong unit. You've seen it up close and personal. What can you tell us about the starting guards, Jonah Jackson and Evan Brown? They have been held out of practice or limited this week. What's their status for this game tomorrow? Because obviously in, in for any team, if you're going to your backup guard, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, so Joan, I think he's in a concussion. He had a concussion as well, so I don't, I don't, I don't expect him to get out that quickly, just because that's a really quick turnaround. I know that's the same mm -hmm. deal with Jeff Okuda, yeah, with Evan as well. I think we'll get more of the the final one, you know, tomorrow to probably know. But I think that's really just been, you know, one of the issues with this team has been injuries as well, and as I said before, decision making. So we'll we'll see where Evan is at, but I don't, I don't expect Jonah to probably play tomorrow. Uh, he's the ESPN NFL Nation Lions reporter there in Detroit. Looking forward to the Bills-Lions Bills game tomorrow, 1230 kickoff. Eric Woodyard, thanks for joining us here. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. We're going to take a break. Steve Tasker, Chris Trapasso coming back at you. One Bills Live. More to come right after this. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Before we get into this tailgate Friday, we're going to talk about some of your tweets. This game, it's nice to remind you that this week's game sponsor is On Location. On Location, unparalleled access to exclusive Bills fan experiences. And uh, this is quite a year to have a fan experience with the Bills. This oh, team's yeah. fun to be around, fun to hang out with. It's uh, It's been great. And, you know, when you get to – we. Start with our tailgate Wednesday here on a Friday. Uh, tailgate Friday on a Wednesday, uh, right before Thanksgiving from Bill. He says, going rogue. I'm calling an audible at the line of scrimmage. He's going to have ham mm. instead of turkey. I've never done that, but I, I did hear that on Kyle Brandt's basement, the podcast with Josh Allen, that they used to eat turkey and ham. I mean, Josh Allen's a big dude. His dad's a big guy. He's got a big brother, too, so it's not surprising. Well, I'm just a turkey guy, though, on Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, I'm usually a turkey guy, but if – I would not even bat an eye if they just made one of those huge hams in the – Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Pig is at the top of the meat pyramid for me, so I'm <laughs> I'm totally okay with him. That's good, though. Yeah, I get it. But turkey's the traditional dish, and it's, it's good as well. So from Ian on the tweet sheet, in a perfect world, I throw around some weight in the early morning. I guess that means workout. Get back about three hours before game time, which is 9.30 a.m., and then crack open my first of many, many cold ones. Hope will fill the air before kickoff. Mm. That's one of the things about this team, and, and I'm talking about the last line there. It is so fun to anticipate every game yeah, because of the guys on the team and the way we've seen them play in the recent past. Um, and I'm talking about 20, 21, 20, and now 22, yeah. and the games we've seen them hang 40, plus in particular Thanksgiving, three of the last four years where they've really rung it up on these teams – what a what a great morning it is looking forward to that. Yeah, and to go off what Ian's saying about 
cracking some cold ones. I think we all know that there have been some Bills teams in the past that have made people want to drink for a negative reason, to just drown the sorrows. This is a team that you want to have some cold beverages and party after they hang 40 on a AFC East opponent. So I, I definitely get it. It's just kind of funny to me how the drinking element of watching Bills games has really shifted from drowning the sorrows to let's have some beers so we feel good watching this game and, and right. you know, on Thanksgiving with all of our family. Yeah, this tailgate Friday, well, it's actually on a Wednesday, but this tailgate Friday presented by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Western New York, the official health care plan of the Buffalo Bills, and we thank them for doing this. Kind of strange. It does feel kind of like a Friday, but in, even though it's a Wednesday because of the long weekend coming up, but uh, we've got some – I love these tweets we're getting from our listeners. From Faith, she says – Cinnamon roll casserole for breakfast, a few minutes before the game, turkey, and din-din for after. Let's go, Bills. That's, I think most people, do you think most people are going to wait till after? They got to, man. 12.30 kickoff. Yeah, we're eating after, and I think the cinnamon roll casserole is more like a Christmas morning thing for me. But with the yeah. Bills game on at 12.30, I think people are almost like planning almost a more special breakfast than normal. It's... <laughs> Right? Not for nothing. But last night, we had a big dinner with the family over. Okay. We had breakfast for dinner. Oh, that's great. Like French toast, bacon, bacon and eggs, eggs, and yeah, all that stuff awesome. last night for supper. Um, so I get it. I, what's in cinnamon roll I get? What's a casserole, cinnamon roll casserole? I, is that, I think is there something else in it? I don't know. I would say it's just a Because once a you start using of, you use the word casserole, I don't know what's in it. It's like sausage. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think it's just a huge amount of cinnamon rolls in one, in, big pan. in one big pan. You each get your own cinnamon roll individually. That's what I would guess. All right. That's fine. I can do that. And a few. And she also said a few mimosas for the game as well. Mm, which see, is, there it is. Yeah, everybody's got their own little thing. Uh, all right, last one from, uh, from a Hawaii Bills fan. It's a big breakfast game for Bills mm. fans in Hawaii, and you got to think that's got to be 12.30 kickoffs, 8.30 in the morning for them. Yeah. Right? Uh, but we don't want to get too full, so maybe just stick to the coffee and a bowl of what the heck is Simon? S A I M I N. I don't Somebody know the Hawaiian culture. So Google that sure. while I'm on. All right. Let's Simon. See. What is in Simon? S A I M I N. Noodles. Something no- noodles. noodles. Hawaiian okay. noodles. It's All like right. a. It's like a. It looks like ramen noodle, but it's like coffee and yeah. a bowl of Hawaiian noodles. I wonder though if they're in Hawaii and this game's at twelve thirty. Most Bills games, well, I guess not this season, but most Bills games are at one. So they're used to kind of planning their breakfast around the start of Bills games. So I don't know if that's is that Simon noodles. Yeah. Is that a special thing because it's Thanksgiving, or is that what they do every week? I wonder. I don't know. That, I don't know. That's interesting. But they don't have. Yeah, they're obviously not. Uh, they don't have the other pro- the problems that the rest of us have with Thanksgiving. Usually, you have dinner. Thanksgiving is later in the afternoon. It's not a lunchtime thing, right? Mm-hmm. You kind of. Three, four. Yeah, it's a big, big dinner, and you started early, right? Yep. Instead of like a late lunch. Yeah. So this is this twelve thirty kick is is a scheduling problem because nobody wants to be in the kitchen slaving away for three hours and then have to serve it right after, right? Yeah. Everybody wants to watch the game. So my wife was getting a lot of stuff ready when I was leaving to come here because she wants to be able to watch the game. Normally, those couple hours before, that's when you're getting you're making the final preparations for the turkey, the mashed right. potatoes, but. You got the Bills' second half going on then. It's a problem because I know this: when the game kicks off, I got to be planted. Me too. You know, I got to. I'm. And I may get up and move around if the game warrants it. You know, like to pace or whatever. To you know, or get get something to drink or whatever. <laughs> or commercial break. You can take a break. Yeah. But man, oh man, when it kicks off, you got to be rooted. So funny story that my dad is always planted. 
But as the game progresses, especially if it's a close game, he inches closer and closer to the TV. He'll start on the couch, and then he's <laughs> on the L side of the couch, then he's on the arm of the couch, about two feet away from the TV. So he has his own routine, yeah. but you're right. You can't, once a game starts, you can't be doing any other right. activities. And we said, where's wrong? Uh, Tom Hollander reminded me Hawaii's five hours behind, not four. Oh, so it's really early. Anchorage is four. Hawaii is five. So it's 7.30 in the morning there. You got to get, you got to, I don't wake up to watch that game. Yeah. And to get all that, I mean, I don't know how hard the Simon noodles are to make, but you got to get that prepared yeah. before a 7.30 kick. That's, that's dedication, which is par for the course for any Bills yeah. fan. Well, Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield brings us the official, the official health care plan of the Buffalo Bills. They bring us the tailgate Friday tweet sheet here on a Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Chris Trapasso, Steve Tasker here on One Bills Live. We're going to come back to the top of the hour. Got a lot more going on in this show. We're going to be here till 3. We'll talk to you after the break. Steve Tasker, Chris Trapasso, Bills, One Bills Live. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Steve Tasker along with Chris Trapasso. Our buddy Chris Brown is en route to Detroit with the team on the charter flight. They'll be there this evening and be kicking it off at 1230 tomorrow. Bills on a collision course with the playoffs once again this year. Uh, stumbled in the last two or three weeks and really uh, it was their own mistakes. I think most Bills fans would would agree that kind of did them in in those games against the Jets, uh, uh, the game against uh, – the Vikings, of course, uh, which was you know blatantly obvious, and then this last week, uh, really, I think, got off to a really slow start, and then you know put it to the Cleveland Browns uh, after even getting out so far ahead of them. They actually let off the, let off the gas yeah. in the last yep. latter parts of that game. Chris Trapazzo, you did an article for CBS Sports about some of the specific reasons. Aren't we on a hey? The Chiefs are a good team. Hey, you know the Commanders have got a chance to get in the playoffs. Um, you know, Philly, why are they, you know, but you gave some specific reasons why some of these playoff contenders really are different than the, the, the teams around them. Like the Chiefs are different than the Bills. Why? What makes the Bills different than the Chiefs and the, and the Eagles? And it's pretty interesting some of the things you came up with. Yeah, I think all of these Super Bowl contending teams, and to me there's like six or seven of them, they all kind of have their own trait. And for the Bills – they love throwing the football on first down. And Bill Walsh used to always say the best down to throw it on is first down. And if you really think about it, how to be really good moving the football is to avoid third downs altogether. The Bills have one of the fewest amount of third down plays as an offense this season. Right. Now, got 116 third downs, yeah, 116, which is few. Which is, I think there's only one team that's below them. Or they're like tied with the Dolphins for last in the league. That's mm-hmm. a stat that you want to be last in the league in. Right. They're converting 50% of their third downs, which is a good, uh, you know, the second most or second highest conversion rate in the NFL. But passing the football as frequently as they do, 58% of the time, that's the tops in the league. And they've added the most expected points on those first down throws. And it just makes sense. 
Say what you want about Devin Singletary being underrated, James Cook starting to play better and, and being more of that dynamic weapon that the Bills hoped when they drafted him. You have Josh Allen as your quarterback, and a drop back from Josh Allen over time is going to be a more efficient way to move the football than running the football. So the Bills, better than any other team, uh, and shout out to Dennis Locke and the analytics staff. This has been a trait of the Bills over the last three or four years. They have been the highest uh, rate of first down passes in those one-score games of any team the last two years. And again, they're leading this season almost 60% of the time. So when you're watching the Lions tomorrow, keep note of how often the Bills are throwing the football on first down because when they do, that's a net positive for the offense. And so you've got these these teams. And in this article, you got obviously the Bills, you've got Kansas City, you've got Philly, Dallas, and then Miami as well. Let's let's talk about Miami, the division opponent of the Bills. Why specifically are they set aside as one of your contenders for the Super Bowl because of what something they're doing? Yeah, so their edge that they get is not with the first down passing, it's motion. They use motion way more than any other team in the NFL. The league average for a play with pre-snap motion is around 48% of the time. The Dolphins have used motion almost 75% of the time. And you know from your playing days, I know from just being an analyst, motion helps a quarterback and just the rest of the offense identify is it man coverage or is it zone coverage and I think if you solve that one riddle before the snap and you know hey it's going to be man or it's going to be zone that helps out everybody so they are running that more than any other team and you know hats off to Tua for making improvements as a passer he's been more accurate he's been better you know under pressure but certainly they've added Tyree Kill, Teron Armstead a lot of pieces to that offense, but what their head coach has done, more so than anything schematic that's super complex, he's just utilized motion at the highest rate in the NFL. That helps out his young quarterback a lot. All right, and then you've got, let's go to the other of the, of the five teams that you mentioned in the article. Let's go to the other AFC team, the Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody knows, yeah, they are a contender, absolutely, but most people say, yeah, it's because of Pat Mahomes, all that. What specific aspect of their team do you think sets them apart? Well, you were talking about Travis Kelsey earlier. How about right. yards after the catch? He was a monster after the catch in that win over the Chargers in Week 11. And heading into Week 12, the Chiefs have accumulated the most yards after the catch in the entire NFL. So you factor that in to just how good uh, Patrick Mahomes is in uh, – improvising or just throwing from inside the pocket. And then you add in, hey, even if he is only throwing a two to a five to a seven yard pass, the Chiefs with their scheme that Andy Reid has brilliantly constructed and just the pieces that they still have, even without Tyreek Hill, that's why they're so tough to stop because you have to try to tackle Every single play is going to be difficult to bring down the likes of Travis Kelsey and some of their other offensive skill position players on that side of the ball. Then on, let's go to the NFC. You've yep. got uh, Philly, Dallas, and San Francisco. Let's start, let's start with uh, Philly. Or, yeah, let's start with Philly. So run-pass option has kind of been a buzzword in the NFL over the last couple of years. It's, been, it's a, a concept from the college game that has moved into the NFL. I don't want to say taken over the NFL, but every team utilizes it. The Eagles utilize it more than any other team. And similar to the Bills throwing on first down, no team has added more expected points 
to their game plan or, or, or to the game script than the Eagles have this season. And it makes sense. It's another way that a head coach can help a young quarterback because Jalen Hurts, their quarterback, in that final season at Oklahoma, when he kind of went from uh, obscure draft prospect to a second rounder, at Oklahoma, they ran almost solely RPO. So he understands how to read that backside defensive end, when to give the football to his running back, Miles Sanders, or some of the other pieces that they have, or when to pull it back and throw the football to Devontae Smith, to A.J. Brown, to Dallas Goddard. So they love the RPO, and it's just a really simple but difficult style of play to stop as a defense. All right, and then we move over. Let's go to another NFC team, Dallas, who is kind of the flavor of the month because of their you know, their hot play, yep. and also they're, they're pitching. They're trying to get the, over the top with a guy like Odell Beckham. But you think it's the other side of the ball that is yep. important for Dallas. Yeah, definitely. Their pass rush. They lead the NFL with almost a 43% pressure creation rate. So on opposing quarterbacks' dropbacks, 43% of the time, there is some type of pressure on the quarterback. You have Micah Parsons, who's a defensive player of the year candidate, Demarcus Lawrence has been there for multiple seasons. He was really the number one edge rusher before Micah Parsons entered that roster. And they have a rookie, Sam Williams, who's starting to play a little bit more, was thought to be a first-round caliber talent, had some off-the-field issues at Ole Miss, falls to the second round. They've added him to the bunch. So when you face the Cowboys, you're worried about how good the offensive line is, Dak Prescott, Trevon Diggs. Uh, in the secondary, but it's really the pass rush that has done such a tremendous job, the best pressure creation rate in the league. Entering Week 12 belongs to the Cowboys. Let's do uh, San Francisco. You said and they're a little bit like Kansas City yep. in the fact that it's run after yards after catch. Yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's offense, dating back to his days as an offensive coordinator, has always been centered around yards after the catch. And I think it makes sense. It forces linebackers and safeties and cornerbacks – to have to tackle. And like I mentioned earlier with the Chiefs, that every single play, they're putting a, a, a lot of pressure on those back seven players to tackle in space. It's just not easy to do in today's NFL with how talented um, tight ends are, with George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. They average the most yards after catch per reception in the NFL. Seven yards they average after the catch as a team, and it makes sense. The scheme is good, and they have so many dudes on that side of the ball. And ball. you mentioned the, the scheme. Kyle Shanahan's really got a reputation for being able to scheme up not only you know a running offense that really they can depend on, but also you know getting guys where – He gets them open. With, and, and with a quarterback that is considered less than elite. Yeah, and that's been his uh, one key element as a uh, – coach which to me is more impressive than anything else there's a lot of great play designers in the NFL smart play callers but what he's done with the likes of Jimmy Garoppolo Brian Hoyer uh, Kirk Cousins early in his career when he was in Washington these are quarterbacks that if you look at the prototype at the quarterback position and I think Josh Allen's one of them big super athletic strong arm those are not the quarterbacks that Kyle Shanahan has taken and made into elite or, or super efficient passers. And a lot of the reason is because they can throw two to five to seven yard passes and get so much after the catch from their tight ends, from their running backs and wide receivers. Okay, last one on our list that we've, we've been talking about, and these are all teams that you know considered um, Super Bowl contenders, and you'd have to be at Buffalo, Miami, Kansas City, and 
um, Philadelphia, Dallas, and San Francisco. The last one's from the AFC, Cincinnati. They were in the Super Bowl surprisingly last year, made a nice run in the playoffs. And this thing that you're talking about with Cincinnati being a legit contender again this year is also something that that was a criticism last year. Um, And it's Joe Burrow's ability to play well and produce under pressure. Yeah, I mean, certainly if Joe Burrow's getting sacked seven, eight times in a game, it's going to be tough for them to win. But they did win a playoff game last year when he was sacked eight times on the road in Tennessee against the number one seed. Joe Burrow being able to be a high-level quarterback under pressure, it's not supposed to happen. If you look at – there's a bunch of studies that have been put out there. Year to year, you're not supposed to be able to maintain that. That You can have one great season under pressure, but it's usually an aberration. Last year, Joe Burrow led the NFL with a 92 quarterback rating under pressure. That's really high. He's at 91 this season, and that's without Jamar Chase since week eight. So Joe Burrow um, certainly is under pressure probably more than the Bengals and their fans want, and it's not a great offensive line yet. Um, But Joe Burrow being that number one overall pick, super calm, cool, and collected, very accurate. He's proven that back-to-back seasons, he's actually good when things are kind of chaotic around him. Yeah, and Cincinnati right now sitting at the seventh playoff spot, six and four. There's eight teams with at least six wins in the conference. Um, and uh, and another win, and another one, the Chargers at five and five as, as the season rolls on. And it, yeah, Cincinnati, of the list we just talked about, Buffalo, Miami, Kansas City, Philly, Dallas, San Francisco, Cincinnati is probably the one that's like, I don't know, they're – uh, they're very hot right. and cold. They're hot and cold, and you're right. The way they win games with him getting his head beat in, their quarterback, and still kind of finding a way to do it really is doesn't seem sustainable, but they have kept it going from last year's Super Bowl run all the way into this year. Yeah, and I mean, last year's Super Bowl run, they won three straight games by one score. And if anyone follows me on Twitter knows this, that I am a big advocate of one-score games, your record in those games will – almost always regress back to the mean. The Bills are, what, 2-9 and nine in their last couple uh, one-score games. Chances are that's going to regress back to close to 500. Even some mm-hmm. of the best teams, even when you're looking at Alabama in the college game, Nick Saban's team has crazy amount of talent advantage, but they're usually right around 500 in those one-score games. So for the Bengals to have gone on that run, good for them, great for that organization, to think that they can go into the playoffs again in a very top-heavy AFC and win probably three straight one-score games against the likes of the Bills or the Chiefs um, or the Ravens or the Titans, that would be a really tall order for the um, Cincinnati Bengals. It's interesting. You talk about Joe Burrow, still relatively young quarterback. Josh Allen just coming into his own his fifth year. Mahomes in his sixth year. you got a, this tier of quarterbacks that seems to be kind of taken over. Uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, some of these young quarterbacks. We, you did an article also that were Steve Tasker along with Chris Trapasso here on One Bills Live. Uh, you did another article on this next generation of quarterbacks, the Justin Fields, uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, Zach Wilsons of the world. Uh, give us your, your overall impression of them and what you're looking at with a, the next generation of quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, so I started this series actually in Josh Allen's second season, 2019. It's first and second year quarterbacks. It comes out every Tuesday on CBS Sports. And in that year, Lamar Jackson won the MVP, so he was fun to watch. Josh Allen took, a, a I think, an underrated step forward. Everyone talks about the 2020 step, but really – Going from rookie year Josh Allen to 2019 Josh Allen was a a noticeable step. The first and second year quarterbacks from the last two draft classes have not been very good. We've seen of late Justin Fields has done some legendary things with his legs, but Zach Wilson is the lowest graded quarterback that I've watched, and I've watched all the throws. This past week, 
kind of thought this was interesting. So in this series, I do uh, high-graded throws and low-graded throws. So I, I, I'm not writing every single throw, but if someone makes a ridiculous throw, I'll you know write it in there. Mac Jones had zero of those. That the Patriots scheme, their game plan is so schemed up. It's checkdowns, it's swing passes, it's screens, slants. It's not asking him to do very much. So I think some of these young quarterbacks, we have grown accustomed to these guys taking the NFL by storm early on because the likes of Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson have done that, Patrick Mahomes. These first and second year quarterbacks over the last two draft classes have not really stepped up to the plate to become that next wave at the quarterback position. And what's and give us a uh, Jalen Hurts is this this is second, year three. This year is three. year three for him. Year what three. how did he do in his in his, you know, second first and second year? Last year he he definitely took a step forward. It, it was a similar type of situation to what Mac Jones had last year and this year where I think the coaching staff did a great job, again, taking a lot off his plate. We see so much with Josh Allen. He's fitting the ball through tight windows. He's doing things outside of structure that seem impossible. That's not what Jalen Hurts did last season. That's not what Mac Jones does very frequently. Um, But you definitely saw that step forward from Jalen Hurts. And then, similar to what the Bills have done in the offseason, they bring in A.J. Brown, they add some pieces on the defense – I'm still a little concerned about Jalen Hurts because I think eventually you have to make those big-time throws that we saw from Joe Burrow last season in the playoffs. We see on a regular basis from Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I think once you're facing better and more balanced teams in January, you can't just win it by scheming up wide receiver screens and swing passes and screen passes. You ultimately have to put some on your quarterback to carry the team in those important Who games. is the youngest, best quarterback in the league? What year are we talking any year, who's the young? Who's like if, if you're if you say Josh Allen, well, I can give you maybe two or three guys younger than him that okay. are pretty good. The best guy in the league, maybe what Mahomes, if he's in the conversation, or maybe Josh, if he's in the conversation. There's a five year guy, six year guy. If we're starting before or more recently than Josh Allen, it's got to be Justin Herbert. I right. I know that Tua's stats are through the roof, the efficiencies there. We talked about you know some of the advantages that his coach has set up for him, and, and sure. the situation is great. But what Justin Herbert is able to do with his arm and his legs is the closest thing to Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen that we see in the NFL. He's not quite as ferocious as a runner as Josh Allen. I don't think anyone is. Mm-hmm. But some of those tight window throws, like I'm mentioning, the, the big-time throws where the coverage is perfect, but the balls still fit in there. We see it from Mahomes a lot. We see it from Allen a lot. And almost as frequently we see it from Justin Herbert, and he was two draft classes after Josh Allen. Yeah, you talk about Tua and the step he's taken forward this year, certainly huge. What has and what are teams' defenses, what, is, what, are, what are they doing to try and take them out of that? Obviously, he's got weapons in Tyreek, and he's got uh, Waddle uh, and Gesicki, and mm-hmm. now the running game is yep. playing all right. And you mentioned the use that they do so much of motion, pre-snap motion, to give Tua as much information yeah. as possible. What has happened around him that has been the difference for him? Well, defensively, teams really haven't had much of an answer. And really looking back to that Bills-Dolphins game, that, that crazy ending, the, the heat, a bunch of Bills were out, and then they got injured in the game. The Bills actually did a pretty good job against Tua Tungavailoa in that game, only allowing 20 points um, relative to what other defenses have done against the Dolphins. They've kind of thrown a mixture of a lot of what we've just talked about at opposing defenses. A ton of RPOs, a lot of motion a high level of play action where those linebackers are sucked up close to the line of scrimmage, the middle of the field is wide open. They're sprinkling in those deep balls. 
multiple vertical routes to Jalen Waddell and Mike Kosicki, Tyreek Hill. I think the situation around Tua is really good and the coaching environment, what they're doing to structure the offense to make it as easy for him as possible has been arguably the best in the NFL. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to watch, too, how that – and we we talk about it every year and how we won't know who the teams are until the first three or four weeks of the yeah. season. Now we're week 12, and not only we kind of know who they are uh, and know who they are not, but we also know who they are without all their – you know, cylinders in place, you yep. know, when guys have been in and out of the lineup and, and who has emerged, who has become a surprise mm-hmm. as well as a disappointment. And when you talk about Miami, there hasn't been too many disappointments on that roster. They're no. playing really well. They're playing really well. And, and outside of Tua's injury there where they lost a couple games, uh, they've been relatively healthy. I think that certainly helped. Like you mentioned earlier, the last couple of years, the Bills have been almost remarkably healthy. I think their strength and conditioning program does a great job. I'm not insinuating that the Dolphins are going to suddenly get hit with a rash of injuries, but that's certainly helped their efficiency. The offensive line has been relatively healthy. The defense hasn't been really banged up, and they've been able to keep that core of Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and Mike Kosicki healthy. So, yes, the Dolphins, I think everything, the early return on Mike McDaniels and all of those acquisitions that they were very aggressive to acquire um, this offseason have have been huge and have been a key reason why Tua has gone from, hey, maybe is it going to be Teddy Bridgewater sooner than later to guy that's in the MVP conversation entering Thanksgiving. What about uh, Mac Jones in New England? He's a rookie quarterback last year, got him to the playoffs and they and played solid, not spectacular, got the win this last week as well. Um, what about his play? How New England's handling him and their progress? I mean, Early on, it looks like all defense, no offense there. Is it still the case? That was still the case. I mean, so last season in doing this article, I would give Mac Jones individually a pretty low grade, and I would take some heat from Patriots fans on Twitter. Um, But like I was mentioning, that there weren't those high-caliber throws. In that section, high-graded plays or throws, there were some weeks where I was writing, oh, there was a – good throw down the field. The rest of it was all schemed up. It was all screens and checkdowns and RPOs, very easy throws where it was almost predetermined where he was going to throw the football. I've seen pretty much the same Mac Jones this season. Last year they went on, I think, a seven-game win streak, and everyone said he's the offensive rookie of the year. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is more about Bill Belichick's defense and a good run game. Now they started to play a little bit better football. They win that game on a walk-off punt return last week. They scored three points. I think the fact that they won that game, Zach Wilson was so bad and then gets benched, was really covering up the fact that Matt Jones didn't play very well either. So I still think the Patriots are decently formidable because you have Bill Belichick, because you have Matthew Judon, who's who's been a very underrated edge rusher. But in terms of Matt Jones taking that next step individually, based on watching all of his film last year and all of it this year, I have not seen that from him. The system is just very truncated, and it's kind of the opposite of what the Bills ask mm-hmm. out of Josh Allen. Chris Trapasso, CBS Sports Draft and Player Analyst, in today for Chris Brown, who is on the road with the Bills. Steve Tasker here, One Bills Live. We're going to take a break, come back, and we're going to hear some player sound from Bills safety Jordan Poirier yesterday after practice, and as well, Stefan Diggs spoke to the media too. So we're going to take a break here, One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. We'll be right back. This is Buffalo Bills Radio.
Welcome back to One Bills Live. Steve Tasker, Chris Trapasso. We're going to start uh, now with some post-practice sound from Tuesday. And we're going to start with Bill's safety, Jordan Poyer, who talked about returning to Detroit to face the Lions and his return to the lineup last week versus Cleveland. I felt good. Um, you know, obviously, anytime you miss, you don't want to miss time, but anytime you do and you get back out there, um, it's always exciting. Um, you know, I'm excited to play again this week, Thanksgiving game. Uh, I think this is my second one only. I think last year was my first one. And actually, I guess that'd be the, this would be my third one. So uh, it's always exciting to play on Thanksgiving. Uh, a lot to be thankful for, but uh, yeah, we're excited to play. You face some offenses that are really pass heavy, maybe some that are really run heavy. The Lions, pretty balanced. Yeah. What, what is the challenge of facing a team that doesn't both equal? Yeah, I mean it's tough. You know, obviously coming in, you gotta always you gotta always stop the run. It starts with that in any, any game you play in, uh, being able to do that. You know, early on in the season, um, you know they were pretty pass heavy. And, you know, these last couple of games that they they've gone into, you know, three and zero in the last three games they played on three game winning streak. They've been running the ball extremely well, and then you know off that comes the play action game and the boot game. And um, so you know, really going into each game, you got to be able to stop the run um, no matter what you do. So uh, you turn them into one dimensional and. Um, but it's a good football team. Um, they're playing well. We got we got really good running backs. Um, Jared Goff's playing really good football right now, and so we gotta we gotta come and play well to win. Jordan, was your first Thanksgiving the Cowboys game? Oh uh, yeah, it was. When you remember that game and you look back, does it at all feel like that kind of like flipped a switch for this team and maybe kind of elevated you guys into the national spotlight? Because I know for a lot of people that was kind of the game when you arrived as a team. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I haven't really thought of that. You know, I think there's probably you could probably pick out different situations throughout the six years that I've been out here that, that could have been the flip of the switch. But, no, that definitely is one of them. Uh, I just remember Josh on the fourth and one or third and one doing the quarterback sneak, and I think he lost the ball and then, you know, picked it up and got another three, four yards. So, you know, there's a lot of situations that over the years that, you know, you could say flip the switch. You know, that could be one of them. Um, I guess that would be based off of your opinion. Mm -hmm. So does it feel like a badge of honor? I mean, there's a reason they keep putting you there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy. You know, like I said, we're just thankful to be able to have that opportunity. You know, we growing up, you watch football, you, you wake up in the morning, the first things it's on, you know, everybody's cooking and, and football's on the TV. And, you know, now I think uh, this might be the first 12-30 game, the first game of, of the day. So um, it'll be cool to get in and get out and get home at, at night with our families. But, you know, we got to handle business, and, and it's a good football team that, that we're going to go play. You had the past breakup um, against Njoku, that one play that you know, kind of you know, helped, obviously, a big play. Can you take us through your mindset of having to get there right at the right time so you're not early enough, but also not late enough where he's making the catch and it doesn't matter? Uh, yeah, I mean, off out of my break, I kind of saw the trajectory of the ball and, and knew – you know, as when when I saw the ball in the air, I was going to be able to make a play on it just based off of where I was and where he was. And so at that point, it's just you know getting to the spot as as quickly as you can. You know, I, I see where the ball is going, um, and, and you know it was he he's a he's a big target, and, and you know, that's my that's my boy. Me and David go back a couple of years. Um, so yeah, so now we've been talking about that game for a long time. Um, but uh, you know, it was just one of those bang bang plays. Probably could have gone either way. I was happy that it went our way. Um, it was able to make a play on the ball. Team is six and zero with you in the lineup. Uh, is that a coincidence? I don't know. That's I don't know. That's for y'all to talk about. I'm just trying to play the game. I'm just trying to play the game. <laughs> 
I wish. I mean, I wish I could. I wish I had been playing every game. That'd be, you know, I wish I could have been healthy enough to play every single game. But you know, it is what it is. Injuries happen, and you know, I'm here now. I'm healthy as I can be, ready to roll on Thursday. Gordon, with that in mind, what is the balance for you, just you personally, of getting, finding that place where you're comfortable getting back out there, um, when knowing maybe it's certainly not going to be 100. percent yeah, you know, I think it just comes down to uh, trusting the trainers and trusting the the doctors outside of here, um, and just continue to get gain my confidence. And you know, whether when it was my elbow, just continue to gain my confidence and strength, and and continue to you know, like I said, trust the doctors and you know, them let me know. Look, this is you know, you be in the brace, you'll be all right. So um, I trust that. I love the game of football. Plus, once your adrenaline's out there, it almost seems like you can have a broken foot out there. You probably wouldn't feel much. So. Um, you know, that, that's part of it, too. And, you know, I love this game, so I'm going to try to do everything I can to be on the field. Um, like I said earlier, it sucks not playing. It sucks when you get hurt. That's part of the game. Um, you just got to bounce back. And, and, you know, I work hard to in the training room, a lot of hours behind the scenes to get back on the field. Um, and like I said, on Sunday, I'm trying to stay on the field as much as I can. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's been a journey for sure. It's been a journey for sure, but, you know, it's a continuous journey one day at a time. First time you were on the field with Demar Hamlin, mm -hmm. had a lot of praise for him. Where have you seen him go from you know six weeks ago to, to up to now? Yeah, he's just continuing to grow with experience, and it's awesome to really see and be a part of. You know, to see um, the steps that he's taken within our defense, and and to see how much he's grown. And I, you know, I tell him all the time, dude, like you keep playing, bro. You keep learning the game. You're gonna be a superstar in this league one day. And so, um, you know, we're extremely extremely proud of him. And and we know we got a lot of work to be done. Um, but he's just taking one day at a time. He's really taking it all in, taking all the coaching from from Jimmy, from Micah, from myself, and and really just you know molded it into his own game. And um, you know he's been a huge huge factor for our team's success over the last however many weeks he's been uh, been starting for us. So um, it's been fun playing with him. Far and away the best pass defense in the NFL since he came to Buffalo. <laughs> it is very high. Oh, of course, for sure. You know, like I like I said on Sunday, I think, you know, late in the game, you get. Uh, I mean, even some of the third downs, you know, trying to get off the field on third and long, you know, trying to figure out ways to get off the field on third and long, how to, how to be better, and then, you know, just those those two drives at the end of the game, you know, figuring out a way to close the game, uh, figuring out a way to to get the ball off of somebody or to, or to you know pick the ball off because you know you understand that they have to throw the football. So um, those would be situations where we you know we feel like we can thrive in and we want to we want to thrive in and so you know we you know we got a lot of work to do um we're never satisfied we do have high standards in our group um so we just want to continue to work and continue to get better and uh and, you know those situations come up again and uh you know we'll be better from it you know that was jordan poyer bill's safety talking to the media yesterday after practice do you take anything away from that chris to me, the biggest thing is the way that he's kind of become a mentor for DeMar Hamlin because that's the one thing we're talking about injuries. Micah Hyde's not coming back this season, and the Bills are going to need DeMar Hamlin to not just be on the field and be a solid contributor as, as a young player, but be a high-level player at that other safety position. And I think Jordan Poyer mentioning that. I've seen it on film that DeMar Hamlin has played better football of late. And like I mentioned earlier, as long as these guys are playing their best football in December and January, that matters more than anything else. Yeah, no question about it. I think they're, a very, they're an almost unbeatable when they're healthy and playing well. Yeah. Um, when they start to get injuries and sprinkle the roster in with some backups and all that, they're still good. They're very good, but they're, you know, they look like they're not 
they don't have their foot all the way on the gas. I think that's the one thing I've noticed both offensively and defensively. Steph Diggs also, Bill's wide receiver, shared his thoughts yesterday on playing back-to-back games in a, and a quick turnaround in Detroit. Here's what Steph Diggs had to say. Going through everything that you did last week and then having to turn around quick to play the Lions. Just trying to shake back. Uh, luckily, you know, we came out with the game, not too many uh, bumps and bruises as far as like injuries. And... Uh, Luckily, at least, but it's still a quick turnaround. So trying to get back on schedule and really get your body back to where you needed to be in less than, you know, less than a week. So uh, it's a task that we all have to face, you know, not just us, but the other team, too. So, um, you know, take it in stride. More football. You um, touched on a little bit with Cam after the game. That interaction between you and Sean, you know, I don't know how much you want to get into what you were frustrated about, but what is it like in those moments, like when the bullets are flying, to have people that you can kind of, you've talked about Josh being that for Josh before, mm-hmm. having Sean in that moment for you. It's like, a, it's, I mean, it's definitely just having the right support system. It just goes back into the fact of having the right team, having the right guys around you, uh, having the right staff. You know, um, as, a, as a head coach, you know, he's our leader as well. So he has to lead 50 or however many guys. And I feel like he does just an amazing job as far as like keeping everybody even kill. And, you know, he knows his players. You know, everybody needs to be led in different ways. And like me, I'm a, um, I'm very charismatic, high energy guy. So he knows that sometimes I just need to take a breath. And I always expect excellence for myself. And I always want to be dominant. And I feel like if I'm not being dominant, I'm not doing my job at times. So he knows I'm a competitor. You know, and he uh, he always kind of brings it full circle. Like you got it. I'm saying, and partly he know I'm not only trying to be dominant but be a leader at all times. So he knows uh, he knows my competitive nature and what I want to what I want to do and bring every day. So I feel like he uh, he always brings it full circle and he uh, keeps me in the right mindset. What's it like staying patient? You know, like, because you said, you said you're competitive, you want to yeah. get targets and all that. Like, to stay patient and not get lost in that during the game and kind of stay focused, how do you do that? I just take a deep breath. I, I mean, I look at the grand scheme of things and the scope of the game. You know, as long as we're having success, uh, we're doing everything we can to win. You know, we had we had a lot of good things happen. Um, Josh is get back in the flow of things. He's looking great. So, um, just trying to continue that. You know what I'm saying him, him, uh, keeping him in a good space is, is all that matters. You know, that's our guy, and uh, we riding with him. So, you know, he's he's playing he's playing well and uh, trying to continue it. You know, keeping that keeping that good thing flowing like the snowball effect. Once you go downhill, uh, the right way, more good things happen. That was Steph Diggs talking about the quick turnaround headed back to Detroit. Um, same hotel, same locker room, same sideline. Um, seems to be probably will be a lot more comfortable than most road games will be coming into this Thanksgiving game. Yeah, and something quick from what uh, Dig said there that comes from the game on Sunday against the Browns. What I found super fascinating is that he was able to go to Sean McDermott, talk to him in game, and everything got better. He caught the touchdown after it. When in Minnesota, there was those problems with his head coach that he wasn't getting the ball enough, and that ultimately forced the trade. So it really shows the disparity between what he had in Minnesota and what he has with his head coach and that coaching staff that he can have a conversation like the one he had with Sean McDermott. And it's okay, and he can – ultimately help the team later in the game if he doesn't get off to a big start. Yeah, and you could tell he goes to Sean, he shrugs his shoulders and says, I'm not getting the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, and that's, and I, I've said this a ton. It's not that these guys are selfish. They want, their, they want to help. Yeah. And in a game where they got off to an ultimately slow start, him not getting the ball is one of the reasons for it, and he knows it, and so do the coaches. And, you know, they got to find a way around it. And, you know, he's getting deep into the first half. Um, 
you don't want it to go too long before you feel like you can't don't have an answer for it. So yeah, I, I'm I'm totally for that. Having a chance to go have him go over there, talk to him, say you know, and he did it the right way. He said, "Listen, I'm." He wasn't yelling or screaming, but he screaming, but it was in game, so it was pretty serious conversation. Sean McDermott, I think, showed great leadership too in the way he handled it. Say, "Listen, I don't know what he told him. I would imagine that it was something like, "Listen, we're going to need you before this game's over. Yeah. Stay ready. Mm-hmm. I know this is a hard stretch we're going through. Be ready because we're going to. You're we're not going to win this without you." Uh, that kind of encouragement, and Steph listened and you know, ends up catching the touchdown that sends them the lead for the first time in the first half in a half where they absolutely stunk. Yeah, Well, by Bill's standards these days, mm-hmm. they stunk. They go into the locker room with the lead, and I think that was a big moment for the club being able to regroup and have a little bit of a cushion. Yeah, and that's such an underrated element to being a head coach in the NFL. We always want to talk about uh, play design, play calling, game management, but being able to have already established the rapport with someone on the offensive side when Sean McDermott is a defensive-minded coach that he's able to feel comfortable coming up to you and having that intimate conversation and then ultimately yields positive results later in the game. Chris Trapasso, Steve Task, we've been here with you since 1 o'clock. We're going to be here with you till the top of the hour. We've got a couple of things. We put it out there to you, our listeners, an OBL mailbag tweet sheet uh, for today, the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, the tweet sheet presented by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving systems of the Buffalo Bills. Um, from Tim on the tweet sheet, he says, what would the Bills, or what should the Bills approach be to stopping the Lions' diverse run scheme? I looked this up. The Lions' run scheme isn't quite as effective as the Browns' run scheme had been going into last week's game. Having said that, it's different and therefore is different. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it may not be that easy to stop. I, I think what I would say is that while you're going to need a different techniques and different schemes to stop it, I think you approach it with the same tactical mentality that you did the Browns run scheme and say, this is how we supposed to, we're supposed to beat and let's execute it at a high and level. And I think what Jordan Poyer said that over this three-game winning streak, the Lions have have run the football very well. And and I know it's, it's a, a, a pass – oriented NFL today, but the Lions especially, they want to come out and run the football well. And yeah. if you get Jared Goff into a 10-0, 13-0, 17-0 hole, you're in pretty good shape if you're the Bills. And they want to come out, hand the ball off, run it down your throat. If you stop that run game in the first quarter, I think it's really demoralizing for that team. Do they have any qualms about putting this game in the hands of Jared Goff if they can stop the run like that? Well, early in the season, he played pretty well. Um, but like when we had Eric on earlier, the offensive line's banged up. And if both of those guards don't play, I think they'll be a lot more tentative saying, all right, Jared Goff, drop back 45, 50 times. They want him in that 20 to 30 pass range per game. So it's a different run scheme. But again, with those two guards injured or maybe not 100% or maybe not playing all together, the Bills, especially Ed Oliver, who's played a lot better, Daquan Jones, um, they should be able to have a, a pretty big game on Thanksgiving. Another one from the tweet sheet, this from Hamish. She says, is it a worry that the Bills aren't getting production out of a third wide receiver, or are they too reliant on Stephon Diggs? I think it's a little bit of a worry. I mentioned earlier Khalil Shakir, I think, entering that what I kind of call the second season in a player's rookie year. I think we will see more from him. I think it, it's not going to be – a a classic wide receiver three situation. It'll be a little bit of Shakir. How about Naheem Hines, who hasn't really been part of the offense, and then some more James Cook in the past game. If they have digs, you sprinkle in some Dawson Knox and certainly Gabriel Davis, I think that's enough to not just be good, but to be that elite-level offense that wins Super Bowls. 
All right, that was the tweet sheet presented by Corgan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving systems of the Buffalo Bills. We're going to take a break right here, and then we're going to come back and give our little thoughts about what it takes to build a game plan for beating the Detroit Lions. Steve Tasker, Chris Trapasso on One Bills Live. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Steve Tasker, Chris Trapasso here to wrap things up. Uh, we're going to do this. We're going to build a game plan presented by United Rentals. United Rentals is the exclusive and official construction equipment rental partner of the Buffalo Bills. Chris, why don't you give us uh, offense or defense? Pick one and, and build us a game plan. All right, I'll go with the offense. How about seeing some more vertical passing? I've, I've been a big proponent during Josh Allen's mini slump to take the check down, to don't force it into coverage. But this Lions team has allowed the fifth most big plays in the pass game on defense. So you had your get-right game last week against the Browns. Let it rip a little bit. Let's see some of that down-the-field passing to utilize the arm strength. And then later in the game, you can continue to try to build momentum for James Cook and Devin Singletary, kind of like they did right. against the Browns just well, a few days ago. For me, and listen to you tell them to go deep. All right, uh, I would say for the Bills' defense, they've got to stop the run game of the Lions just as well as they did against Cleveland. And then Especially now early. this may be a chance for them to get a handle on the third and long conversions they've been so susceptible to. Yeah, good call. Um, it would be nice to see them solve that riddle and, and be more productive that way. Uh, I'd love to see him be really successful first and second down defensively against the run game, even on third down. And if they get into those third and longs, find a way to get off the field. That was that would be my way. That's our building building a game plan presented by United Rentals. United Rentals is the exclusive and official construction equipment rental partner of the Buffalo Bills. Christopher Passo, thanks for being on. It's been great. I um, we were talking about you know how this. This thing happened. All the snow removal and that stuff's going. Thanks for making it in. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a process. They still haven't got the. We aren't dug out here at the stadium completely, but it's an ongoing process. Yeah. So. I just want to shout out my friend Zach Baldwin and <laughs> a lot of the other construction workers that were called in. Oh yeah. Emergency snow removal in areas that they usually are not doing any construction. Last week was chaotic. It was an amazing effort by the Bills staff, by Squirrel Winter and company, and a lot of Bills neighbors. <laughs> but how about this week? We have had some of the snow melt, but there's been so much uh, effort put forth by a lot of people to get the snow out of Orchard Park and in the South Towns that were hit so yeah. badly so we can all return to normal life. I hope everybody's in a posture. You can enjoy your Thanksgiving tomorrow. Bill's at 1230 in Detroit. We want to thank Eric Woodyard, ESPN NFL Nation Lions reporter, for coming on with us, giving us the lowdown on the Lions. Um, we're not going to have a show tomorrow, though. We're going to take the day off the, during the game. Uh, obviously, it's going to be an awesome day. We'll be back on Friday, though. We'll have Thurman Thomas here to, on Friday, along with Greg Cosell, to break down the NFL. It's going to be it's going to be a fun week to finish off here. Uh, and I hope your uh, Thanksgiving is well. Chris DePrasso, Steve Tasker here on One Bills Live. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks to the listeners for sending the tweets. We'll talk to you on Friday.